Now, here, here is something that we have established. We are at war today. We are at war as individuals. Any person that has surrendered to Jesus Christ as their Lord, their master and ruler, and any person who desires to live, listen to me, a devoted life to Christ, you've got an enemy named Satan that wants to disrupt your world and eat your lunch every day. Now, 1 Peter chapter 5 we referenced this a few weeks ago, but First Peter 5 says, your enemy, whose enemy? Every one of us, every one of us that calls ourselves a saint, a child of God, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Your enemy, my enemy, and, and, and your neighbor's enemy. And so, so much of what we find in this world in conflict, oftentimes, is straight from hell. It's straight from hell. Temptation is the devil's tool to lure you away from obeying God. Get this. Temptation is the devil's tool to take you away, entice you, and lure you away from honoring God. No one sitting in this building is exempt from Satan's tactics and his schemes and his devices. All of us, all of us under the blood of Christ are subject to his attacks. Now, we've got to realize that. Even Jesus, God in flesh, was tempted by Satan. You go back and study Matthew 4, where it lays out the, the temptation of Jesus, if you will, the 40 days and 40 nights. Now, here's what you got to know. Here's what you got to know. Jesus never succumbed. He never caved in to the temptation. He quoted scripture and said it is written. But here's what you got to know. Temptation is not wrong. Giving in to temptation, entertaining the temptation, fantasizing about the temptation is wrong. I've had people over the years look at me and say, well, you know, brother, I thought it. It's just like doing it. Oh, 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 hold on. Stop there. Just because the enemy comes at you and tries to attack you with a thought doesn't mean you've got to act on it. God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, lives inside of me. I'm an air traffic controller, if you will. Satan has constantly got planes flying over my head, tempting me, luring me. I'm an air traffic controller filled with the Holy Spirit that I've got permission to tell what planes to land and what planes don't get to land. And so when these evil planes of Satan start flying overhead, I go, stop, stop. You're not landing. You don't have permission to touch down on my mind anymore. Because if you let it touch down and you let it taxi to the gate and you open the door, you will find yourself defeated. So temptation in itself is not wrong, but caving in and yielding to the temptation is where he says in James, lust leads to sin, which leads to death. Everybody clean on this. Everybody clean on this because uh, if temptation is wrong, then Jesus sinned because he was tempted. But we know that Jesus never sinned. He was pure. He was holy. He was flawless. So three words I want you to see I think are very, very important for us. The word tempt. The word tempt or the word temptation. It means to entice a person to commit sin. Now, again, temptations are used by Satan to deliberately cause a person to disobey God. He's tempting us. 
Let no one say when he's being tempted, he's been tempted by God. God does not tempt anyone with evil. So, so Satan is the tempter. When the tempter's there and he has my ear, what he needs to hear is it is written. So I, I've got to know the word. I've got to know truth. Now, the second word I would, I, would, I would cause you and just ask you to ponder is the word test. Test. We're all going to go through test. When you go through a test, it is being used by God to prove the integrity of your character. Even David would say in 1 Chronicles 29, God, I know that you test the heart and you're pleased with integrity. So we, as children of God, are walking billboards to the world that is filled with skeptics saying God's grace, God's love, God's mercy, God's truth is enough even in the midst of our test and adversity. You you see what I'm saying? So God allows us to be tested at times so that our faith can be purified and strengthened. And then you'll see the word trial. Now trial is an interesting word. When you go through a, through a trial, God is allowing you to go through a time where you can be purified through almost suffering. David would say, it was good for me that I was afflicted. It was good for me that I suffered so that I could learn your ways. Now, I want you to have these three words in context as we focus today on the word temptation. Makes sense? Everybody with me? This is a teaching. Now, this is all going to be practical for you. Now, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 says, As obedient children, as children of God who are seeking to obey God, who are seeking to walk in the Spirit, who are seeking to, to live out life the way God intended, as obedient children, do not be conformed, do not be conformed to your former lust. Anybody got any former lust? Yes, which were yours and your ignorance. When you were lost, alienated, separated from God, we lived according to our flesh patterns. We lived according to our sin nature. But if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, and behold, all things have become new. What he's saying right here is, don't be conformed to those lust patterns anymore, those flesh patterns anymore. You lived in those when you were ignorant, which means estranged and separated from God. Then he goes on to say, but like the Holy One who called you, Jesus is the Holy One. He knew no sin. He was righteous. Like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all of your behavior. God says, through the power of the Holy Spirit that now has been deposited within us, I I can live my life out through you. If you learn to trust me and press into me, and when you do so in all your behavior, it will start to reflect the goodness of who I am. So if Jesus never, listen to this, listen. If Jesus never gave in to temptation, and if Jesus lives inside of me, it implies that I don't have to give in to temptation. Did y'all get that? So when I choose to give into the temptation, what I'm saying is Jesus in me is not enough. I think something external out there might satisfy me more. We got to get this. So he goes on to say, it is written, you shall be holy as he is holy. He lived a sanctified, set-apart life. He invites us to say, now, I want you to live sanctified and set-apart because I now reside within you. You're my children. 
So here's a couple of premise statements. God's will for each and every one of us is that we be a person of personal holiness. God's, God's will and God's desire is that each and every one of us live a life of personal holiness. That we, that we submit under the lordship and that we live a sanctified life pure to God. God wants that for all of us. Not just for people in ministry, not just for people who are teaching a small group, not just for people who are up here leading worship. God goes, I, I, I want you to know that you can live this holy life because of the Holy Spirit. Second thing is, God's will, God's will, as we study scripture, is for you to experience victory in the midst of all the temptations you go through. Now, that is so powerful for me. Because I concluded, even as a new believer, that I just had certain thorns in the flesh, and that was my issue, and I just couldn't overcome it. And there's a lot of people, when you turn to sex, alcohol, drugs, or power and pleasure and all this stuff, a lot of people have concluded, well, that's just the way I am. No, that's just the way Satan wants to keep you. That's not who you are. You're holy. You're righteous. You've been justified. You've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. So you don't have to live in stable misery and defeat. Now, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation tempt to entice to deliberately disobey God. No temptation has taken you. And no temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. Which means people around you who are living victorious because of the blood of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit— There's people around you that have overcome it through Christ. No temptation has taken you, but such is common to man. A a lot of what you're going through is common to everybody else. God is faithful, he says. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear, but with every temptation, God will make a way of escape so that you can endure and stand strong with it. Now, this was one of the verses I memorized early on in my journey because I'm like, hold on, God is faithful. Even in the midst of adversity and suffering and being tempted and lured, God is still with me. And God is saying, you don't have to cave into it. You don't don't have to cave into it. And, and, And so the lie from hell, the lie from hell is when people will say, well, brother, God will never give you any more than you can handle. No, God will always allow me to be given more than I can handle because if I can trust me to handle it, I don't need him. But God will never allow me to experience more than he can handle. So if I'm relying on my own resources and if I'm trusting me, then I will get exposed that I'm not sufficient to overcome it. But, but... God will allow us to go through stuff, but in the midst of it, he's faithful. Satan's going to tempt. God's going to allow us to experience tests and trials. Now, he says right here in 2 Corinthians 2, don't give Satan an opening for more harm. We are not ignorant of Satan's schemes, his methods, his traps, and his devices. Now, check out this video here with one of our partners. Good morning, Cross Loganville. My name's Greg Chupp. Uh, I've been a partner at the church uh, a little over five years now, and I wanna talk to you this morning about something I'm passionate about, and um, 
share a little bit about fishing with you. Um, as I do tournaments uh, all over the area, um, one of the, the key baits and tactics um, that we, we tend to use is going to be something everybody's used if you've ever gone fishing, which is plastic worms. Um, everything I use is artificial. Um, there's nothing real. We're, we're not allowed to use any real baits, but a plastic worm is good all year long, pretty much any water temperature, any clarity level, and you can change the colors to meet whatever the need would be with that. That one's on a little weighted shaky head. The next type is going to be what we call creature bait, uh, something like a jig. This one has the, uh, the feet on the bottom like a crawfish, similar to the worm except for I'm going to use a heavier rod and heavier line and I'm going to be throwing this into real thick cover, uh, places that that would generally get, the worm would get hung up or broken off and then as they bite I, I literally winch them out with the, uh, the power of the, the reel here. Um, so that's the two of those. Then we get into more of the, the bait fish style. Um, this is a spinner bait. Uh, Strike King spinnerbait and it has the blades on it and as it comes through the water and moves the blades uh, go out horizontally and they spin and it looks like a bait fish flickering in the water. Um, again this is just a, a, another lure, um, another tactic to try to fool these fish uh, entice them into biting um, whatever my presentation is. The spinnerbait I like to throw um, generally when it's windy, um, generally uh, around some sort of cover, not, not as much open water. Um, and then the final type of bait is going to be something that resembles uh, bait fish as more natural looking, whether it's a crankbait uh, with a bill on it um, or something like this swim bait. This is a 7-inch swim bait. This thing's uh, one ounce in weight, so it's real heavy. Um, big hook. I can throw this a long way. Um, the purpose of this one is when it's really clear water and I can't get right up on the fish, uh, especially if the water is a little deeper, I can throw this a mile. And as it swims through the water nice and slow, it looks like a real fish. But then again, it's just an artificial plastic bait. The whole point is for me to entice the fish uh, into biting. Um, I've been doing this a long time, so I can go and I know most days what I need to take because of my experience. Um, I, I can put the baits where they need to be um, because I do this so much. Um, so I can make the hard cast and I can skip it under things and, and things of that nature. But one of the keys is, is I've done this so much that I know what baits aren't going to work today. So as I go out, um, I don't have all these baits with me every time. Um, I, I generally look at the conditions and I read into why I would want what. And, and I see what's going to entice them to bite that day. What lure will be best and I try to take three or four, try to keep it simple. So a lot of this is real simple um, on the surface, but obviously takes a, a lot of time to learn. And I've spent a lot of time on the water and I've been fortunate to do that. Um, but one of the things I've learned is, you know, it's real similar to, to what we go through in our daily walk where um, you know, sin in our life is, is Satan throwing lures out. Sometimes they're big lures that you, you can't seem to avoid. And sometimes there's these little ones that you just, you, for some reason, just pick up on it. Um, whether it's the, the big swim bait of, of a lie that he's selling you, or it's just the little four or five inch worm and, and whatever it may be, um, they're just lures. They're artificial. They're, they're, they're of this world. And so I want to challenge you as you get into these situations to take a good look at what's in front of you. Is it a lure? Is this Satan trying to entice you? Or is this the real bait thrown by the real creator? Thank you. And we were talking to Greg about he fishes all these tournaments, right? But that is Satan coming at you. I like what he said right out of the gate. Everything I use here in these tournaments is artificial. And, and what Satan wants to do is come at you with these artificial things that appear on the surface that they will satisfy you 
and bring you love and hope and meaning and purpose in your journey. But when we bite it, what we realize is we continue to realize how empty we are. It doesn't satisfy. None of those things right there taste good once they hit them. And there's a lot of things of the world that maybe sin is fun for the season, but once we taste it, we go, it doesn't satisfy me. It's a less wild lover. It's a substitute of the real thing that God is wanting to give me. So, so here's what we know. Just like in fishing, we talk about variable temptation, variable temptation. And what I mean by variable temptation is what may cause you to stumble may not cause the person seated next to you to stumble in. Some of us, we, we stumble with depression, and so we'll turn to these less wild substances, these artificial substances to try to sedate and medicate who we are. Some people struggle more with lust, and so they're going to use artificial stimuli there, if you will, going to porn on the internet, downloading apps and all this. Makes, makes sense. So whatever you struggle with, there's other people that struggle with it, but it's not given that your spouse or your coworker or whatever struggles with it. It's variable temptation. And we've got to know what we are more apt to cave into. Now, I want you to take the insert. This is crucial. I want you to take the insert, and I want you to look at this. Know your areas of variable temptation. Now, one of the things I've learned over the years, I want everybody taking this home. I want everybody working on this this week. I promise you it's for your good. But variable temptation, you've got to ask the question. Right now, if you had to answer this on a scale of 0 to 10, and you can put your own number. It can be one, three, five, or seven, whatever you want to add. Are, are you right now physically exhausted and tired? Or are you energetic and strong? Because if you're living over here physically exhausted and tired, it's like AA teaches. Halt. Am I hungry? Am I angry? Am I lonely? Am I tired? I'm more apt to give in to alcohol. So I want you to take this home and I want you to go through it to say, where am I right now? Am I emotionally just discouraged and mad or do I feel encouraged and, and built up? Am I mentally bored and just discontent? An idle mind is the devil's workshop. Or am I challenged and am I content and am I growing? Do I feel spiritually depleted and empty? Jackson Brown, am I running on empty? Or do I feel like I'm growing and I'm walking in the fullness of the Lord right now? Do, do I feel geographically distant? I've been away from people. I've been, I've been doing my own thing. I'm not connected. I just got back yesterday working with the Royals, the Kansas City Royals Lexington team, uh, their A-ball team uh, that was playing in Greenville, South Carolina. And I was talking to this one coach, and he said, man, I'm really pumped. My family's coming out June 12th. I'm like, cool, when's the last time you saw him? He goes, April 4th. So I would look at that guy going, man, geographically, he's distant. He, he's been doing his own thing, and, and that's typical in baseball. But I look at it going, man, that's a bad place because I see so many marriages just get hijacked and train wrecked. Or do you feel like near and together. Relationally, do you just feel alienated? Have you just kind of shut down relationships and doing your own thing? Or are you living in community? I mean, internally, do you feel like hopeless and sad? Or do you feel joyful and happy and, and hopeful about where, where life is taking you? 
internally, personally, do you feel insecure and unsure? I don't even know where I'm at. I don't even know what I'm doing. Or do you feel secure and confident? Bitter and angry? Or do you feel accepting and forgiving? Deeply wounded and hurt? No, 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 no. Listen to me. So one of the things we can do to overcome the enemy and take a a strong stand is knowing our areas of variable temptation. You've got to know them. If you do not do this, what you're going to do is saying, hey, it's not important. And Satan will continue to lure you, to entice you, and to reel you in. So as I was going through that, I'm like, add the numbers together during the week and see where you're at. Because if you're 70 to 79, you got to be careful. If you get much below that, man, Satan can get inside your mind and inside your skull and really jack you up. Now, breaking the patterns. Stay with me. Breaking the patterns. When during the week are you tempted to sin the most? Do you know what days the enemy eats your lunch the most? Do you know what day of the week you're tempted to sin the most? When? What time of the day are you tempted to sin the most? I used to think it was a given uh, late at night when I'm tired. The more I've had conversations with people, I, I, I was talking to a guy in the last year that said that once his wife and kids were out the door, that's when it was his playtime. I'm like, early in the morning? And some people it can be at noon. Some people it can be afternoon. When? Do you know when Satan comes at you the most? When you have given in to the bait the most? Where are you when you're tempted to sin the most? Where? Are you at home? You're at work? I had a couple we were counseling with about three years ago, and uh, the girl confessed to phone sex that while she was on her way to work, she would pull over in a parking lot. A car? Yeah. Where are you? You, You've got to know. When does the enemy pound me the most? In isolation? What, what, What am I? Who are you with? What types of sin are you tempted to commit the most? Are they pleasure? Are they sedating? Are, are, are they gossip and anger and power trips? What, if you don't know what type you're more, most tempted to commit the most, how will you ever break the pattern of it? Now, check it out. How do you feel right before you commit this sin? I mean, what are the lies that you're believing in the moment? What are you believing that this sin is going to give you that will validate you and make you strong or make you complete? I had a guy a few years ago, it's been about seven or eight years ago, when he called me, he said, I've confessed to my wife that I've been back on the internet looking at porn and masturbating. I said, okay. Well, I told her I would call you, Cash, and I, I, I would confess it to you. I'm like, appreciate the phone call. And there is silence. You don't have anything for me? What, 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 what do you mean? Who else have you told? Well, I told my pastor. Cool. And what did the pastor say to you? Well, he encouraged me to memorize 1 Corinthians 10, 13 and Philippians 4 and Romans 12. I said, you already know those verses, don't you? He goes, yeah. Yeah. 
So, what do you want? You mean you don't have anything for me? I got one question for you. What is the sin giving you that you so desperately think you need that validates your masculinity? What does this sin give you that validates the masculinity, this hole in your soul you're trying to to validate? What does it give you? There was like 30 seconds of pause. And this is exactly what he said. Damn you, Cash. I said, why? Why damn me? He said, because you won't let me off the hook. No, no, no. Memorizing another verse as a little two-pill prescription that you take when you got a headache, what is it giving you that you want? There's a payoff for you. You keep running back to it for a reason. And I saw him the next week, and he said, I don't have an answer. And then I saw him the next week. And he said, I don't have an answer. And then he sat down with me three weeks later. And he said, for three weeks, I've been pondering that question. Listen to me. What does that sin give me? Whether it's alcohol, is it a sedator? I feel so insecure. I feel so worthless. I feel so shallow. I feel so beat up. I need to medicate. What is it giving me? Guys that turn to porn, they're getting something out of it. They're getting some type of validation. And we're going to break this down in in more detail in weeks to come. Does this make sense to you? Come on, guys. Does this make sense? Because there's a payoff. And if I don't know what that payoff is, I'll keep going to it. And I'll act like a little boy. The next one would be this. The next one would be this. Are you willing to break the pattern of it? Am I willing to break the pattern of this less wild lover? Am I willing to repent? Am I willing to disclose? I mean, I love when people sit down with us and say, I need to talk. Why? I drink every day, Tim. I need help. As soon as a person says that, I can hug them and go, I'm so proud of you for for owning it. I need help. I'm addicted to porn. I keep going to these topless bars and all this. I don't want to do it, but I don't know how to break it. Come on. We're going to help you. We're going to help you walk into freedom. But you've got to acknowledge and, and, and identify specifically if you're ever going to find it. And this is sober. Now listen to me. Portia Nelson wrote a book, a little five-chapter book called Overcoming Temptation. I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost and helpless, but it's not my fault, but it takes me forever to find my way out. Chapter two, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it's not my fault, but it still takes me a long time to get out of it. Chapter three, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it's there. I still fall in. It's become a habit. My eyes are open, and I know where I am. I get out immediately. It's my fault. Chapter 4, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter 5, I walk down a different street. Eliminate certain channels. 
on your TV. Eliminate certain websites. If you're struggling with that area, download Covenant Eyes. There's been multiple guys over the years that when they came to this place to say, I'm willing to deal with it at a deep level, me, two or three other guys and their wives would get daily updates on what websites they had been to because they would download it on their smartphone, their iPad, and everything else. Triple X Church has some incredible material out there if that's the area. Where do you struggle? Who are you with? What people are you hanging out with? For some guys, it's not the, the, the nightclubs anymore. It's the gym. The gym working out has become a pickup place. I mean, the way these girls dress, come on. And so where do you go? What streets do you continue to walk down that you willfully, habitually keep falling in the same hole? And Satan is saying, you can't break it, but through the power of Jesus, you can. There's victory in Christ. You don't have to stay in that addiction any longer. Do you hear me? I want to see every one of y'all free in Christ. This is as practical as I can make it for you. Stop. Stop giving Satan an opening. I got 20 things I'm going to jog through real quick. Listen to these. Stop spending time with the wrong people. Stop running from your problems. Stop lying to yourself. Stop trying to be somebody that you're not. Stop holding on to your past. You can't enter the next chapter if you keep rereading the last one over and over. Stop. Stop. Stop being scared to make a mistake. Take a risk. Stop trying to buy happiness. Stop trying to find happiness in somebody else. Stop thinking that you're not ready. I have people say that. Well, I just don't know if I'm ready to, to totally go all in. Well, when will you be? Like what Francis Chan said, and we were watching this and listening to it before I took the lead pastor here. Francis Chan said people go, are, 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 are you sure that God is wanting you to give up your church? And he goes, eh, I'm about 75% sure that's what I'm supposed to do. Are, are you sure you're supposed to step down and do something? I'm maybe 75, 80% sure. He goes, I was about 92% sure I was supposed to marry my wife. And I started thinking about that. Are you ever 100% totally sure? We use that. We're not that good. Because deep down inside, it wasn't that I trust her to be the woman that I really wanted to marry. It was that I trust me to be the man that I was supposed to be. If you ever stand at the altar and say, we're 100% sure you're lying. You're like, man, I'm pretty close. But we doubt ourselves. Stop trying to compete against everybody else in the world. Stop being jealous of what other people have. Stop complaining and feeling sorry for yourself all the time. Stop holding grudges. Stop letting other people pull you down to their level. Get rid of some of those stinking, thinking people. Stop trying to make everything perfect. I, mean, I, I was dealing with these players this week, and there's 20-year-old dudes, and they're like, well, I'm a perfectionist. I'm like, good luck. <laughs> good luck. You're hitting 250 and you're a perfectionist, which means you're failing 75% of the time when you're in the batter's box. 
I've been around baseball all my life, and there's never been a person that hit a thousand. Think about it. Stop acting like everything's fine when it's not. Stop blaming others for your trouble on your junk. Stop worrying so much. Stop focusing on what you don't want to happen. Stop being so ungrateful. Can I, can I give you something? Tomorrow morning when you wake up, grab your notepad, grab you a pen, find a quiet spot for five minutes, and go in there and grab that notebook and say, here are five things that I am thankful for. Did you hear that? Start focusing on what you're thankful for instead of what ain't happening right in your life. Then get up Tuesday and don't repeat the list and then write down five things that you're thankful for. And watch the attitude of gratitude start to change your perspective as you walk into today. Let me roll. Develop holy habits. I'm not going to spend much time here, but I would highly encourage you Paul speaking to Timothy, he tells him, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Stay disciplined every day. He tells him, be diligent. Be diligent to study the word of God so that you can show yourself approved. Be diligent. And then he says, be devoted. 2 Timothy 2.22, one of my favorite verses, flee youthful lust. Pursue faith, righteousness, hope, and love with those that call on the Lord with a pure heart. Write these notes down. Run. This is what he's saying right here. Run from youthful lust. Run to the things of God and run with those that are seeking to live holy themselves. Man, that was such a, a great text for me years ago. God wants me to run. He does. He wants you to run from this crap that's taking you down to the things of God that are building you up and with other people that are sincere about their journey. Study those passages this week. It's all in your bulletin. Now, here's, here, here's kind of wrapping it up. So I must stay strong. Satan wants to eat our lunch. We're in war. So I've got to know my variable temptations. I've got to know this stuff. I'm going to take that sheet home. I'm going to get with the Lord and say, show me, Holy Spirit, where I, I struggle. Come on. Where, where do I succumb to the traps and lures of the enemy? Now, here's what I would challenge you to do. Practice these holy habits. Get into the Word every day. I want to read. I want to meditate and apply. You go, I don't know how. See me, Trevor, Nick, Steve, somebody at the end, and we, we would love to help you. If you're a woman, see Barb, Kim. See some of these ladies and go, help me. We want, we want to help you grow. So where am I at? I've got it on the, uh, the page for you, but on a scale of zero to five. Where am I at in my reading time, meditating time, and, and studying time, and applying it to my life? Communion. Where am I at with my prayer time, intercession, and praise time? I mean, talking to these young boys up there, hey, man, I've given my life to Christ. Do you listen to worship music? No. Well, we're about to listen to some, and I'm going to turn you on to some stuff because you've got to feed your soul. Because you can drive down the road, and that be a praise time for you. So you've got to look at it. Where am I at in my constant communion with God? Dependence, which means steadfast devotion for Christ. 
You go, how do I know if I'm depending? Nick and I talked about this. What are the real indicators that I'm depending on the Lordship of Jesus? Where's my stress level? Where is my worry? Where is my barometer of negativity? Where am I at when it comes to panicking? Is the peace of Jesus real? Is the joy of the Lord central? Do I see the manifestation of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness coming out of my life when I get hit? None of us, none of us are totally dependent on the Lord. And I say that as lead pastor and your brother. That's a sobering thought. I want to be. But there's things that happen oftentimes that I drift and I'm like, I'm not depending on you right now. Check it out. Sanctification, which means becoming holy by continual cleansing. What do you mean by that? I confess sin quickly. I repent of it. I, I'm, I'm obeying. I want to persevere. So when something happens and I fall in the hole, I, I, I confess. I, it's my responsibility. I want to walk in that sanctification. Fellowship which means I'm accountable to other godly men, women to women, guys to guys. I'm, I'm living in community with accountability. I'm living a life of par, P-A-R. I'm purposeful. I'm accountable. I'm responsible. I, I want my life to count. I'm spirit-filled. I'm setting my mind on the things of God. I'm, I'm offering myself in service. Where are you at? Go through this this week and go, if I had to give myself a score from zero to five, where would I be? And what, what, what will I do? And what am I willing to do to change that number from a one to a three so that it can change from a three to a four to a five? Now, closing. Here's the practical. Try and invest 30 minutes. And I I don't even like the way I worded that. Commit to invest 30 minutes at least every day in these holy habits. Trying's lying. Well, I'm going to try to do that. You're either going to do it or you're not. We always do what we value. When tempted, when Satan comes against you, run to the throne of God and pray immediately. God, you're bigger than this problem, but it's coming against me right now. It's one of those areas of my flesh I know I'm weak in. Fight back by praying the armor of God and praying scripture when the enemy starts to hit you. And immediately, immediately, tell your wife. Tell your accountability partner and tell your mentor immediately. AA's got this thing figured out a lot better than the church does. They've got support groups and when this hungry and angry and lonely and tired stuff, they'll give you a list of phone numbers. Call me if you ever get in a snag. Hey, I'm being tempted here. Tell them immediately. Don't, don't tell them after you've caved into and you've gone down the trail and jacked it up. Tell them then, but tell them on the front side so that you've got support. Come on. This is a practice. I can go with you guys. Come on. I want to see you win. Stay open and honest with others who are pursuing holiness. Realize that victory comes by breaking the source of the temptation. Satan is inferior. He's real. He's crafty. He wants to eat your lunch and take you out. But through the shed blood of Jesus, I can stay strong in the midst of the battle. Who do you have? What small group are you in? What are you currently meditating and pondering in Scripture? What books are you reading? What are you listening to? 
What are you watching on TV? What are you viewing on the internet? God wants you to know that you can have victory in Jesus. It starts by repenting and turning totally to him and surrendering, but it's a battle. If I will eliminate a lot of these traps and say, Satan, you're not that smart. You're not going to take me down anymore. You'll start to walk in freedom. You'll start to walk in victory. Wherever you go, be accountable. Barb, I'm at the airport, babe. About to jump on this plane. I'll text you when I land. You got it. Hey, hey, I just landed. Thank you. I'll text you when I get to the hotel. You got it. Barb, I'm with Cal. He and I are going to be rooming next to each other. We'll hang out. I'm not telling her that because she's my mama. I'm telling her that because I really want to live pure. And I've had guys go, well, I'm not telling my wife all that. Feel like a little boy. No, it's a, it's a stinking man standing up saying, I'm not going down any longer. I pray that today's word encouraged you. And thanks for joining us uh, on this uh, broadcast today. If we can help you in your walk with Christ in any way, feel free to contact us here at the Cross Loganville. Our email, info at thecrossloganville.org, or you can call us 770-554-3322. God bless you, and I pray that you have just an incredible day.